Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as uh, we get ready to start a brand new series. So I like a new series. It's time for a new series. And uh, we did our Fisherman's Blessing just recently, and that was fun. And I was uh, reading through that and thinking and studying and praying and, and felt like this would be a good series, and we're calling it Meals with Jesus. So it's kind of like, uh, I, I, it was kind of funny, I thought, you know, like, cooking network. I could be up here making a meal all the time, but that was too much work. But um, <laughs> those are pretty popular shows, those cooking network shows. And, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look through together the, the, the Gospels, in particular the Gospel of Luke, and I think you're going to be surprised at how often Jesus is having a meal uh, and um, what that means and what that looks like and really uh, what a big deal that is um, in the whole process. You know, here... We do a lot of meals, and people just sort of sometimes don't understand what that's all about. We even have on our welcome card that's there. It says, you know, one of the things that you can circle is, is this a restaurant or a church? Because they're not yours. A lot of people aren't used to churches doing food the way that we do. But I, I would submit to you as you watch this study sort of open up in this series, you're going to see that the early church was really all about meals and that Jesus was really about meals and what they represent and what they look like, and that we can learn a, a huge amount by taking some time to look and see what's going on in the process. Literally throughout the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is either on his way to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal throughout the entire Gospel. Uh, and it's a fascinating thing, to, and I don't think a lot of people have seen that sort of um, angle of it and really sort of um, moved into it, and so I decided that would be a fun thing for us to do together in the process. So we're going to be looking at that together, Meals with Jesus. And, uh, you know, have you ever seen those things? Sometimes they ask people, you know, who would you, if you could have dinner with anybody, pastor, president, who would it be? And, and uh, people come up, but a lot of times they, they use Jesus. But, and, and we sort of can whenever we're together. So that's a pretty cool thing. But all of that came in, and I thought it would be fun to make a series out of. So we'll see how it goes. And uh, here we go. Uh, that's the intro. Transition. I always have a bad joke or two. I have two sort of food-themed to keep in with the Meals with Jesus. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. But this, I know. Here we go. Here's, now, I want you to think about this. What if soy milk is just regular milk introducing itself in Spanish? Soy milk. That's really good. I'm sorry. I laughed. I've laughed at that all week. I can hardly wait to do it. I've been sitting there thinking at the middle of the night I'd wake up laughing, soy milk. That's great. <laughs> that was the one I called you about. Okay. Just so you're aware. Not the other one. Soy milk. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, straighten up. Scripture reading, Luke 5, beginning in verse 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect 
complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Blessed be the word of the Lord. And I want to talk about that whole thing and that meal today. And, and we'll just see that as one of the first meals that happens throughout the Gospel of Luke. First point in your notes. How did the Son of Man come? How did the Son of Man come? Now, the Son of Man is a reference to the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, that's found in Daniel chapter 7. So when you see that reference, Son of Man, that's what they're referring to. It's a re reference to the Messiah. And so, the, you know, it could have been written, How did the Messiah come? Um, we know in Luke 19.10 why the Messiah came, or why the Son of Man came. Luke 19 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So we understand what the mission of Jesus was. But that question I ask you, how did he come, I think is really fascinating. Now certainly, um, you know, he came and he, uh, he preached and he taught and he did miracles and he did all those things. But here's a great verse that really sort of is what this series is all about. Luke 7, 34. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say... Here's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. You need to, need to know that Jesus' time eating was significant enough that these things that he went to and these meals that he ate at were significant enough that when people outside looked in, particularly the religious people, they called him a glutton and a drunkard. So it was a significant part of his ministry. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And in this series, we're going to look through the Gospel of Luke together and we'll see that he was eating a lot. This was significant. Now, the people of Israel, remember, they're waiting for a Messiah to come who's going to show up, and he's going to set everything back straight the way they were expecting. He's going to restore the kingdom of Israel to its uh, place like it was, you know, at the time of David, and they would be the, the top of the heap, and everybody thought that was what he was coming to do. The Messiah came, going to set everything right. When the Son of Man comes, we're going to be restored again to the glory we knew at one point in time in history. Even the disciples thought that was what was going to happen. Um, you know, they were always asking, are you at this time? Are you at this time? And, and here comes Jesus, and instead of all those things they're expecting, Jesus comes, and he shares a meal. And it's, it's, it messes them up. They're, it's not what they were expecting. And yet Jesus comes sharing a meal. This whole thing, point two, is that meals are central to the mission of Jesus. They're central and you go, what are you talking about? How is that possible? Luke 5.30. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Meals are a powerful expression of fellowship. There's something about sitting down at a table and eating with someone that is really like no other activity that we can get involved in. There's something about the power of sitting together around a table sharing a meal that is all, as off the charts and always has been. You know, you, you always hear people now talking about how families are so fragmented because they've, they've sort of lost that concept of sitting down and having the evening meal together. It was such a crucial part of family life for so long, and we, we've lost that. And so, you know, we try and recreate that, certainly here with the church family, why we have all the time. You know, it's always trying to get people to sit down and eat with one another because it's so powerful in what it does. It, it's something about it that 
pulls us together. Especially, you know, if we can turn off the iPhones and the iPads and, the, and everything else and sit and talk, which is, you know... Do you, do you remember, see, as a kid, when I was growing up, I had a pretty dysfunctional family in a lot of ways, but we generally got around the dinner table and had dinner. Um, and so, so, you know, we had that, and there was... You know, I always wished TV could be on, but it wouldn't. <laughs> Can't we watch TV? No. And we would sit and talk about the day and listen and be a part. And so you were included in that, you know, for at least when I was very young. I remember the, the idea of sitting around at a table and, and eating and how important that was. And I remember even with our own family, as, as difficult as it got to be, we, we'd try to get to the table and have dinner. Um, and sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. And I think it keeps now changing and changing and changing where it's not, not part of our dynamic any longer. And, and yet when Jesus came, uh, he... He, this is a focus of his ministry. You might, have, you might never have seen it, but all the time he's having meals. And what's astonishing is who he'll eat with because he'll basically share a meal with anybody. This is, you know, Jesus, right? Fully God, fully man. Jesus, God in the flesh, will basically sit at a table and eat with anybody. And he said, that's why I've come. I want to, I'm here I am. He'll eat with it. He'll eat with tax collectors and he'll eat with sinners. And we've talked about the difference a lot. Tax collectors were worse than sinners. They were beyond sinners. I don't even know how that's possible. But there they were. And Jesus would eat with them. He'd also eat with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. He'd eat with anybody. Why? Because he could meet them at that level and he could minister to them. See, he, he, could, he was willing to eat with any of them because the, the, the meals of Jesus, what you need to see, and this is what I hope you see throughout this whole series, the meals of Jesus are a picture of the grace of God. It's a picture of His grace. He'll, he, he, he loves people so much. All people. Regardless of how messed up they are. Regardless of how broken they are. And He will sit with them and, and, and have uh, you know, a, a meal time with them where He can relate to them. And it's such a powerful time that, that almost everyone who comes into His presence during a meal is impacted and changed. And you'll see that. He impacts everybody. It even stirs up the religious people because even though they don't like it, you'll keep seeing them at these meals they, because they can't get how he can be this kind of guy. Oh, he can't be, you know, he can't be who he says he is, but because look who he eats with. Because to them, see, it was all about, you know, you don't associate with anybody else. You, you, it's got to be only people that are, you know, uh, like you and following the same rule. And Jesus just came and hung out with everybody and loved them. And you will see time after time after time that because this is such a demonstration of the grace of God, these people's lives are changed forever. There's something about a meal with Jesus that changes everything. And I still think it's that powerful. I, you know, I've, I know I've told you parts of my story, and I, I, I don't want to spend too much time deviating there, but the, when I was a young man, I didn't grow up in a, in a... Our family wasn't Christian. I don't ever remember going to church with my family ever. Um, I... I uh, First time I ever heard the gospel, I was in college as a freshman, and it, somebody came and told my neighbor, you probably heard that part of it, my, the, my roommate, and I was like, meh. But I met a guy uh, who was able to tell me the gospel at 19. I'd like to tell you I jumped in all in, but I didn't. But I heard every bit of it. And six years later, sort of the opportunity came around again, and I remembered every part of it that he told me. But he, he earned my... He earned that in me by, first off, giving me a sandwich. Well, and I think I've told you that. I used to go to work, and I, I was renting a room at night for like $7, and they didn't have kitchens or anything. And, and, I, and I was a young guy, you know, 19, 
And so um, I figured out that I could go to the Pizza Hut buffet every night at 4.30 after work, and I could eat there for two hours <laughs> for $4, and I could wait another 24 hours to get back. And, and that's how I was sort of living. I don't know if any of you ever done that, but that was, I was going to make it. You know what I mean? I was hurting the Pizza Hut, but uh, <laughs> I'd never leave. So I'd get really full and then make that coast through. Anyway, I was sitting there at lunch one day, and he said, don't you have a lunch? I said, no, I don't have a lunch. I didn't make a big deal of it. He said, and, and he said, well, I have two sandwiches. Would you like one? I said, of course. I, <laughs> I'd love a sandwich. Still a sandwich guy. And he gave me a sandwich. I always tease that was a sacrifice because he gave me a sandwich from then on every day, but he brought three sandwiches from then on. So the first day was the really hard one. <laughs> After that, it was, you know, somebody was making a third sandwich, but, but uh, he would give me that sandwich. And I was really rough. At that age, I mean, uh, you know, bad language and just not in a good spot. And, and he would, he invited me to go to his home almost once a week for dinner. Uh, brought me lunch every day. He let me be around his family. He had young kids and a wife. And, and um, he, was, he was solidly in love with Jesus. Uh, you know, they used to make fun of him at work because he did Bible study and stuff. And I, I would never go. Do you want to go? No. Um, but at one point, in the, after a situation, he was able to talk to me about the gospel for a whole night. He had my full attention, got me to the place where he said, you know, are you ready? And I was like, already, except I've told you that. I couldn't say how he had any fun. And so I said no. And, and, um, but it was, over, it was over that he developed that relationship with me over, over a sandwich and, and the occasional meal. And I see the power in that. I still see it to this day, that it, it sort of puts people in a spot where they, they can have fellowship around a common thing. And that's why, why it was such a powerful thing. It was then and still is. And so uh, what happens is it, the meals then are a picture of the grace of God, and grace changes everything. That's the third point. Grace changes everything. Point number three. I read this quote. I can't remember where I read it, but I, I think it's extremely powerful. And it said this. So before Jesus ever picked up the cross, he picked up a fork, and things started changing. Before he ever picked up the cross, he picked up a fork. Things started changing. And let's look. It was in our scripture reading day. First story that we're going to look at today. Luke 5, 27. After this, Jesus went out, saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, who's Matthew, by the way, uh, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Now, tax collectors... I said, you know, there were sinners and tax collectors. They were the worst of the worst. For this reason, they worked for the enemy. As far as the, the uh, people of Israel were concerned, they were the worst because they worked for the Romans. So they were sort of a go-between between Israel and the Romans. And, and not only did they collect taxes for the Romans, they would also rip off their own people and line their own pockets. That's why they were hated. So you were, uh, they were their own special group. Um, beyond sinners were the tax collectors if in your home it would much rather that you invite a murderer in for dinner than a tax collector seriously they weren't allowed in the synagogues they were completely ostracized by society um, so so they were they were um, you know they were Jewish and yet ostracized completely by their countrymen because they were working for the enemy they worked for the enemy and they they were sort of an, uh, a go-between between them and the ones who were oppressing them and so and they were stealing along the journey. So here comes Jesus, fully God, fully man, got to know this, son of man. He walks up to Matthew. Everybody hates Matthew. And Jesus looks at him and says two words, follow me. Oh, that's so powerful. 
I'm sure there was a lot of people that walked up to Matthew with a lot of other words. Right? Here comes Jesus. And there's something about Jesus that Matthew, it says, leaves everything. Now, that was his livelihood. That was what had, you know, was getting him along. That's where he was at. That was his whole deal. He, he'd already decided it was worth it, I guess, you know, to betray everyone and, and to be that because of the money he was making. Here comes Jesus, says to Matthew, follow me. And Matthew looks at him and does, closes up shop, follows Jesus. I'm so amazed by that. But you have to know it was because there was something in Jesus. I think Matthew was just like everybody had ostracized him for so long. Here comes this, here comes Jesus. And, and I think Matthew's just thought he, he wants me. I think that's the whole, everybody else is, and he's, come, come on, follow me. And, and at the invitation, he shuts down the shop, and he, he goes and follows Jesus. And, and I, I think there's something in him that it just can sense that the life that he's going to be have following Jesus is going to exceed whatever he's experienced so far, regardless of the cost. He's all in. He jumps in, follows Jesus. And so, verse 28, Levi gets up, left everything, and followed him. And then, what does he do? Amazing. Verse 29, Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. What does he do? He said, come on. And he has this big dinner. And he invites, guess who his friends are? <laughs> the other tax collectors, because nobody else would hang out with them. <laughs> so he's got all, come on, you got to meet this guy. That said, come follow me. I want you to come to my house. I'm going to have a big, big party, big dinner. Throws a big dinner party. Invites all his friends to come and meet Jesus. Now, here's what's significant you need to see. So here's Matthew, Levi, who had been serving his whole life, or at least his adult life, uh, as a go-between between the people of Israel and the enemy, is now serving as a go-between between the people and the life-bringing Jesus. There's a, the transformation, the change is so significant that it's off the charts. He's completely changed at the invitation, follow me. No longer is he serving as a go-between between the people and the enemy. He's now serving as a go-between between Jesus and the people. Life-changing. Here you can have some life in me, son of man, Jesus. He's now saying, you need to come and meet this guy. It's an amazing transformation. And, and so Jesus had seen the, the beauty of Matthew's potential, invites him to follow in, and Matthew's like, I can't believe it. He feels the grace, and he has this great big party, and he invites all his peace friends in. He said, you need to meet Jesus, and you need to come and experience this life that can be found in him, this grace-filled life. He will not push you away. He's going to welcome you. You're just like me. We're the worst of the worst. And, and come check it out. He'll even sit down and have dinner with us. And they come. And it's an amazing event. And the religious people, they don't like it. They don't, and, they're, and they're like, you know, so they're saying, you know, why, why are you doing this? Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? What's going on? And Jesus picks this uh, whole thing up in verse 34. He says, can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he's with him? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from him. In those days they will fast. And then he told them this parable. You know, I love parables. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old one. If he does, he'll have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. Now the word new appears eight times in those verses, uh, and there's something new 
that's, that's, that's happened in the coming of Jesus, the Son of Man. And this new thing is illustrated in those verses that I just read to you in three neat little illustrations. I'm going to go through them really quick. Um, he talks about, A, the bridegroom. The bridegroom. The illustration of the bridegroom shows us that the arrival of Jesus on the scene is a time for joyful relationships where we share the grace we have received freely with other people. That's what the whole thing is about. Jesus has come, and now's the time to celebrate, and this celebration is going to go on through all time. Jesus has come. He's come with grace, and we're to share that grace with everyone. The garment. The illustration of the garment is a picture of the forgiveness that we can now receive in the new covenant because of this grace. In Christ, we can be truly forgiven and truly free. They had never experienced anything like this to this time. They, they, you know, they, they had the law that sort of you know, kept them going but didn't set them free. Now in Christ, in the new covenant, they could be set free. This was beyond what they could even begin to imagine, and it was, under, you know, it was amazing. They're no longer under the bondage of sin and the law, and we can experience the now and forever life that Jesus came to bring. The wineskin, see, the wineskin. The wineskin. Uh, it's a picture of the overflowing grace of God. See, this, this new wine of God's grace can't be contained in the old wineskin of human effort in trying to somehow earn God's favor. New life, real life, is found in following Jesus. And I would have to say that that was quite a meal. The first one there in Luke 5. And, and I, I said His grace is life-changing. I've already given you some of the ways. But if you, if you want to know how life-changing it was for Levi, Matthew, um, he goes from being the worst of the worst, the tax collector, to being one of Jesus' disciples, to writing what we know as the first gospel of the New Testament, which has changed lives of other people now for over 2,000 years. That's the same guy that everybody else said, I don't want anything to do with you. Jesus said, follow me. That's the kind of change that happens when people have dinner with Jesus. Change that we can't even comprehend happens as, as Jesus comes and ministers. And so often it's around a meal. And so we're going to take this series and we're going to be looking at some of these encounters together. I think you're going to be amazed at what happens. And that it will change, I think, the way you are, even the way you think about a meal with other folks. As you see that, that it's a huge part of ministry that, yes, we're called to pick up the cross daily, but we're also called to pick up the fork and follow Jesus. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, that's good for this first one. We'll pick it up there next week, and we'll, we'll go on. Thanks for being a part. If you're watching my video, we appreciate you doing that. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer page, call us. We'll pray for you. We will see you soon.